And hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of Amateur Hour, a News and Observer college sports podcast. I am Andrew Carter. I cover UNC Athletics for the News and Observer. And I'm joined today by colleague and friend Laura Keeley, who covers Duke for us. Hello, Laura. Hello, Andrew. And Laura, I'm glad you could find your keys. They were uh, they were missing in action. They went on a little uh, trip without me here at uh, the Nando headquarters, but they are back. They are secure, and after this, I can run home and write uh, you know the thousands of words that will appear in tomorrow's paper. Wow, thousands of words! Thousands, Andrew, thousands. You have that to look forward to, loyal print subscribers and internet readers. All right, so Laura, the last time we talked, which is actually the last time I did an amateur hour podcast, I've been. You, you've, you've missed me then, I trust. Yeah. I am the essential link here to getting Amateur Hour out to all of our very loyal listeners, Stephen Schramm included. Stephen Schramm is a very loyal listener. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Andrew. He's going to be offended at that. <laughs> no, that's just my, uh, that's my listener. That's my default listener voice. All right, but the last time that we convened here in the podcasting suite our mobile podcasting suite that we take with us everywhere that we can construct just out of thin air. We were talking about a North Carolina Duke basketball game after Duke rallied, came back, won 74-73 in a game that UNC somehow found a way to lose. And we were just doing a video downstairs in the video suite. And one of the thing, one of the main questions about this game always, the second game when these teams play for the second time, is just how things have changed from the first time. And it's kind of weird now because these teams play so close together. Like it used to be they might play early February and then there would be a month before they would play again. Now it's like a couple weeks, two and a half, three weeks. Has Duke changed at all since the last time these teams played? And if so, how? I mean, in terms of like kind of concrete ways, no. They still have their six-man rotation. You know, Matt Jones is back fully healthy, so it is six as opposed to five. But you know, I think mentally you can't underestimate the boost that win in Chapel Hill gave them. That was kind of the moment where it was like, you know, it was us against everybody else. They were the little engine that could with, you know, five players and Marshall Plumley with four fouls. And they found a way to beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill. You know, that was a huge, huge, you know, momentum swinging, confidence boosting win. And I think that's really, you know, the most important date of Duke's season thus far. Obviously, they've lost twice since then at Louisville when they did run out of players when Matt Jones was hurt and Derek Thornton had to leave with his shoulder injury. And then at Pitt when they just didn't show up. It was just a classic no-show mismatch of kind of effort and desire with Pitt needing a a win for its bubble resume and, and Duke just kind of playing satisfied. But So that's kind of what's been up with Duke. I think now it's a tired Duke team, and not even Mike Krzyzewski is going to refute that. And you can see that in how poorly they've shot recently. Another thing Mike Krzyzewski pointed out, you know, the last two games, Duke has not shot over 40% from the field against Wake Forest or Pitt. And dating back to that game against North Carolina, they haven't actually hit their average field goal percentage for ACC play, which is right at 45%. They've been under it, you know, at North Carolina, at Louisville, uh, you know, I might be forgetting, against Florida State. You know, it's not like there's been too many games in between then. But, but yeah, it's a tired Duke team. There's no point in denying the obvious. But, it's you know, it's a Duke team that feels good about what it can do, and I think it truly believes it can beat anybody, you know, the Tar Heels included. Now you ask me a question, Laura, about how the Tar Heels have changed. Andrew, how have the Tar Heels changed? Thanks, Laura. Uh, well, for one— Anytime. 
Well, for one thing, I feel like they have a greater understanding of the need to get Bryce Johnson the basketball. I think that's an important thing that UNC failed to do the first time these teams met. Bryce Johnson attempted one shot in the final 12 minutes of that game uh, against Duke and Chapel Hill a few weeks back. That's unacceptable. Yes, yes, it totally is, especially when the person guarding him has four fouls. But, you know, it's funny. There was, there was a press conference yesterday at Duke, and uh, one of the Duke Chronicle reporters asked Mike Krzyzewski about stopping Bryce Johnson and noted how that uh, you know they managed to shut him down in the second half. And it was all I could do, Andrew, not to pipe in and say, no, 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 it was Marcus Page, Joel Berry, and Roy Williams that shut Bryce Johnson down when they all collectively refused to give him the ball. Yeah, they do. That's a, that's a great point. And, that, and really, if you go back and talk to some of the UNC players after that game, that was really kind of an eye-opening awakening, if you will, especially for a guy like Marcus Page and Joel Berry, because they really, I don't want to say they played selfishly, but I think they tried to put the load on their shoulders. They tried to do too much. I think they felt a lot of pressure to make a big shot, especially in Marcus's case, the shot to kind of put the game away, which he was never able to make. UNC shot really awfully from the perimeter of that game, one for 13 from three-point range, that's not going to get it done. Uh, so, yeah, I think UNC has a better appreciation for getting the ball to Bryce Johnson. That's something that these guys have made more of a priority in recent games. Even in the second half at Virginia, when Bryce didn't have a lot of touches, they were still trying to at least get him the ball. Virginia just did a good job of double-teaming him and taking him out of the game uh, defensively. You know, Virginia gave them a lot of credit. They're a good team. I don't think UNC even played poorly in that game. I think UNC has played really pretty well since – losing to Duke. You had a dominant victory against Miami at home where UNC won by 25 points. Uh, got off to a slow start a little bit at NC State when Cat Barber went off those first eight minutes. He had 16 points. But after that, Tar Heels dominated that game, outscored NC State 70-45 to the final 30 minutes of that game. Then came the Virginia thing. Played well against Syracuse, kind of grinded out a gutty victory against Syracuse. Similar circumstances that game too. UNC had a decent-sized lead. Syracuse kept on whittling it down uh, and UNC did not fold, unlike the way it happened uh, against Duke a little while back. I want to ask you, Laura, a question here. Which team do you think needs it more? Do you think UNC needs this game more? Do you think Duke needs it more in terms of ACC tournament positioning? I think a victory locks up a four seed for Duke, right? A first round bye? I believe so, yeah, because that would put them ahead of Notre Dame, regardless of what the Fighting Irish do. But I, you know, in spite of all that, Andrew, I think North Carolina needs this game. I think... This, you know, if the Tar Heels are the team that everybody thinks they can be, that they especially believe they can be, you know, it's capable of a deep march run, making a Final Four, they need to beat a tired Duke team in Durham. You know, this is a team that they need to beat. They are probably better than them objectively, and it's time to actually go show that on the floor. You know, if they lose, then it's just kind of, you know, I feel like you can't, there's not another chance for them to get this kind of momentum turning you know, confidence-boosting win. So I think UNC needs this. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> the ACC tournament is a, a tricky proposition for Duke this year. Obviously, you play every game to win, obviously. There are no questions asked about that. At the same time, looking more realistically about this, it is in Duke's best interest to exit the ACC tournament as quickly as possible, I believe. You know, and it's actually something they've done quite recently. You know, last year they had that kind of fluky first-half no-show against Notre Dame, obviously turned around and won the national title. And, you know, a few years ago, they lost to Maryland early, too. And I think that was the year they made it to the Elite Eight. It was it was the year they lost in the round of 64, I believe, that they played in the ACC championship final and lost to Virginia. But anyhow, you know, just like Mike Krzyzewski said, you know, you want to use next week to get fresher, but you also want to win. I think, you know, and nobody can ever say this out loud, again, it's in Duke's best interest to 
get in and out of the ACC tournament as quickly as possible, rest up and get ready to play, you know, a few weekends of two games in three days and see how long it can last. Yeah, I think this, uh, you know, getting back to what you said about how UNC needs this more, I think this is a really huge game for UNC, especially given the way that the last game ended. You had people questioning Roy Williams' coaching acumen, what he was doing, not calling a timeout. I mean, the whole program, just the sense around the program was in such disarray among the fan base, people freaking out, panicking, what's going on with UNC, what's going on with Roy Williams. From a perception point of view, I just think this is a huge opportunity for UNC to kind of bounce back from that to respond. I can see the Tar Heels going over there uh, on Saturday night and winning by double digits. That wouldn't surprise me. I think this is the kind of game where they can release a lot of pent-up frustration, especially if Bryce Johnson is involved, if they do get Marshall Plumley in foul trouble, which was a part of the game plan the first time. They didn't execute it to completion down the stretch. Got close. I got him to four fouls with, the, you know, about uh, you know four minutes into the second half. But, yeah, then for whatever reason, kind of abandoned trying to get the fifth one. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was – unfathomable how that unfolded with Plumley having four fouls with like 14 minutes to go he comes out for a little bit then comes back with 11 minutes left and plays those final 11 minutes with four fouls and you know if UNC has and Bryce Johnson takes one shot in that time period right something like that one shot yeah he took one shot and they really didn't look for him again because Paige and Barry were forcing shots but yeah just you know the way that that game ended with so many weird things happening for UNC not getting the ball to Bryce Joel Barry Marcus Page launching shot after shot that missed uh, the final possession not taking a timeout Page had a critical turnover late just all these weird things came together to combine to to create that just unfathomable loss and so I think it's a big opportunity for UNC to bounce back from that to show you know really kind of who its true self is and then on the flip side of that too if it doesn't happen that way for UNC you kind of have to start to wonder whether it can ever happen and based on the evidence it would seem like it wouldn't because here we are in March and it's kind of like you are who you are by March. I agree and you know Andrew I I keep thinking about Larry Fedora's football slogan for last year's North Carolina team and it's time like it is time for this North Carolina basketball team it's just time like it's time to kind of like you said show who you are and this is kind of a, a prove it or lose it type of game I think it's time as Larry said and speaking of it's time Laura you asked a interesting question of Mike Krzyzewski earlier this week when he had his availability this is a topic that we've talked about before on the podcast something that I'll be Uh, writing about before the start of the NCAA tournament, just the future of these two programs, UNC and Duke, both with their coaches kind of getting up there. Roy Williams is 65. Coach K, how old is Coach K? 69. So Coach K is approaching his 70th year. And you asked him uh, basically if his experience with the Georgia Tech game at Georgia Tech, where he missed that game, he was in the hospital with some issues, uh, if that experience caused him – to think about his longevity, his future, how many years he has left at Duke. And I thought his answer was pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, and, and first it took him took him about four seconds to, you know, to pause and kind of gather his thoughts and how he wanted to, to answer it. But basically he was just kind of like, look, like these are things I'll consider in the offseason. I have not thought about me uh, personally, and I, you know, I'll do that this offseason. But, you know, kind of took that as an opportunity to speak about the program and the kind of shape he wants to leave the program in. And he, he's really concerned with – you know, leaving things in a good spot. And he talked really about the financials of actually leaving things in a good spot. He talked about how, you know, the legacy club, the fundraising arm for the basketball team has fully endowed the program. You know, they want to build a new building with new locker rooms and just, you know, to make sure that is properly funded and that the plans are, 
you know, to the specifications and the standard that he wants them to be at. So, you know, really kind of was an interesting answer. I didn't necessarily see see that coming. And, you know, I think sometimes you forget that, you know, all of that stuff, money included, falls under kind of the head coach's purview when he's looking at his program. So so that's what he chose to talk about. Uh, and, of course, reiterated the idea that he wants to coach USA basketball. And it's funny, I was actually talking to Stephen Schramm of the Fayetteville Observer after after this press conference, and Stephen wondered if – like the way he just didn't really care about who succeeded him because he didn't talk about that at all if that wasn't already a foregone conclusion in his mind and I think it should be I think it definitely should be Jeff Capel but you know I, it was it was an interesting response kind of a kind of a reflective response but again I do not anticipate him stepping away or leaving anytime soon yeah, it's, you know, you brought up the improvements that he wants to see happen, the building of that new building that could house some locker rooms, offices, that kind of thing. You know, Laura, I wonder where on Coach K's wish list uh, new bathrooms for media members ranks. Where do you think? I don't know. I should have asked that as my follow-up. That, w- that would have been a good one. That is one of the most challenging aspects of covering a game at Duke. You never want to drink a tremendous amount of water before covering a game at Duke. I learned that the hard way a couple years ago where I could not find a bathroom with a short enough line that would have allowed me to enter it and get back to my seat before the start of the second half. Yeah, you know, just from a logistics standpoint, if I ever kind of make the mistake and, and have to go to the bathroom at halftime, I literally take my computer with me into the bathroom because I have to get there before the line explodes because there are not special media bathrooms. There are just, like, bathrooms for everybody, like the fans and stuff included. So, yeah, you gotta you got to be diligent about kind of planning out your your human needs schedules this is tmi aren't you guys glad out there that you tune into the amateur hour podcast all this unique insight behind the scenes but we'll see what happens uh, on saturday night at cameron indoor stadium thank you so much for listening to amateur hour we'll be back with a special edition of amateur hour late night edition on saturday night after the conclusion of the north carolina duke game we'll see what happens we'll see you there thank you so much for listening And we'll see you next time on Amateur Hour.